the RNLI literally opened up a new continent. My name is Jojo Mains, and I, I still am connected with the RNLI very, in a small way, as I'm a duty officer. And so uh, in the middle of the night, when they're looking for a responsible adult, uh, they call me. They don't get a responsible adult, but that's who they call. Who is Jojo Mains? Uh, Jojo Mains uh, joined the U.S. Coast Guard uh, when he was 17 years old. But I joined uh, in the States. We have a reserve program. So I was a reservist and I did my sort of summer uh, before my last year of uh, our version of high school. And I went to boot camp and I got the shaved and I ran around and all the things you see in the films, uh, those sorts of things, did all those sorts of things. And then I went back to my senior year of high school. And then I got out of high school and I said, well, um, I remember I had to get a, uh, you do um, sort of weekend duty. So, so one weekend a month, you, and I, I actually was at a little local Coast Guard base. And I had to get a note from my chief because I was late going back to school because I was fighting a boat fire. And so, uh, you know, I, I needed a note. So I brought my little note in and I still have sort of black marks in my ears and everything. And I said, well, this is pretty good. So I, I went and I, uh, I did that full time. And uh, from there, I was, uh, I was stationed really all over the globe. I spent a lot of time. I mean, the name Coast Guard in America, you know, you think of Baywatch and things like that. It's nothing like that. It's, it's an armed service. You, uh, you, know, you carry weapons. You do all sorts of things like that. It's also a police force. So under Title 14 of the United States Code, Section 89, they're federal law enforcement officers, and you do searches, seizures, arrests, and all that sort of stuff on the high seas. And so I, I went from a series of jobs that were nothing to do with search and rescue for the most part. I um, mostly gravitated toward, towards um, sort of national defense roles and, uh, and a lot of running around chasing uh, drug smugglers. So I spent a lot of time in Central and South America. Uh, and uh, really enjoyed it. A lot of travel. You get a machine gun. You get a speedboat. It was uh, it was great. And then um, I was uh, I had made it to a thing called SRT one, which is our highest tier counterterrorism unit. I had done a few times. Uh, I was on a couple of different ships. I had been in a small boat station, so I had a, a varied career. And um, a what they call in in the military a solicitation had come out. It's just a um, it's like a uh, just a, a hey if you want to do this apply for it, and it was for a, um, a an exchange with the Royal National Lifeboat Institute. They spelled it wrong, and actually I I got involved with the RNLI because I was um, bullied by my students. I was teaching people uh, weapons. I was a uh, you know as one of your roles, I was a firearms instructor. And I was the least life-saving minded guy anybody knew because I taught them how to use knives. I taught them how to use guns. And they said, oh, <laughs> look at this. They're looking for someone to go to a life-saving charity in England. And I was a bit indignant because I, I, I did that. I, I drive search and rescue. I, I, I was a 44-foot motor lifeboatman guy. I can do that. And so I spent about seven minutes. I filled out my little application. I sent it in. I forgot all about it. And then uh, a couple months later, I get a phone call and it's an interview. And I'm like, interview for what? Because I had forgotten all about it. And they said, oh, to go on the exchange program. 
to the United Kingdom. So, you know, why do you want to represent the U.S. Coast Guard in, in, in England? And I was like, oh, gosh. Um, so I said something like, because I think it would be cool. And I let that un uncomfortable silence go on a while. And, you know, well, is there anything else? And I get, well, yeah, I believe I have the training, background, and experience to best identify those life-saving skills that would cross-pollinate between our two life-saving organizations in an effective manner. But the real reason is cool. Come on, they've got bowler hats. They got pie with meat in it. I mean, you know, there's all these lovely cultural things. It'd be fantastic. Get castles. We don't have castles. We have White Castle, but it's not a castle. You know, so um, anyway, well, I get a phone call later and they're like, yeah, you're our guy. We're sending you. When I uh, arrived in the UK, I spent, I, I was here to be uh, a lifeboat trainer. So to train lifeboat crews. Now, when the RNLI was set up, they didn't need to train anybody. They were all basically, you know, UK ruled the world. You know, 75%, sun never set in the British Empire, massive maritime, uh, you know, walls made of wood and men of steel and that sort of thing. Um, but fast forward to the early 2000s when I, when I was on my exchange, only something like, and I may have the numbers dated, but something like 10% of volunteers in the RNLI have any maritime experience because the RNLI comes from the population. The population has moved away from the sea in the sense that they're not making their daily life there. It's not fishermen. You don't need to tell a fisherman anything. It, was a, it used to be about giving them a boat. Now it's giving the tools and the knowledge, which makes things more expensive and a bit more difficult. Um, when you get that professional mariner that shows up, they're like gold dust. You know, they still qualify, but for them, it's it's a very quick process because it's all stuff they do on a daily basis. Whereas if you are a lawyer or you're a builder or you're a, this, this large range of skill, but not necessarily maritime skill. And so, yeah, my role when I first came to the RNLI was to train lifeboat crews. It does change the experience because, as I used to tell people, I was in the perfect storm, not the film, but the actual storm, and uh, I got paid to be there, and that was my job. I did 24 years in the U.S. Coast Guard. You can easily find someone that's 24 years in the RNLI, and they haven't been paid Scooby. Uh, they're volunteers, and I found that to be crazy. I found that to be absolutely nuts because this function is a governmental function. But the government isn't doing it here. It's being done by volunteers. And it's the history. It's the culture. There's not a station you won't go to where you're not going to find someone who's the son of a son of a son of a lifeboatman. And when you, people that, if you ever have the chance to visit an RLI station, I'd suggest you do it. But there'll be these old wooden boards up with names of coxswains from the 1800s. And if you look at the names of coxswains today, there's a lot of the same family names there. But nowadays, it's men and it's women. And it's, and it's um, moved to sort of a very egalitarian place. But there's still strong family. There are families 
and extended families in some locations that support the whole thing. And hey, you want to venture at two o'clock in the morning unexpectedly, you're going to get some if you really want that. You know, but it also, it can create very challenging conversations. Um, I had a boss that used to say, um, in the RNLI, that used to say it creates very challenging conversations with significant others uh, because it's a huge time commitment. And I don't think people understand that most of the people you see in the RNLI, they're not getting paid. They're on their own time. And, you know, they've got to live, they've got to make money, they want to take their kid to school or see the school play or whatever. And that part really surprised me. And when I looked at the, the calls, I did lots of little studies when I was on the exchange program to try to figure out, you know, you know this, uh, uh, for example, one was uh, capsizing boats. The RNLI has put a lot of money into making boats that can flip over and go upright again and keep going. And that is crazy. The engineering involved, when I saw, uh, you know, an outboard engine with solenoids in it that prevents water from going inside of it, you just push a button and turn it back on, uh, that's that's nuts. That is a crazy investment. And uh, they'll put an airbag on the back of it and you can blow that airbag up and flip the boat over. And I went back to the Americans and I went, oh my God, look at this thing. We got to get us some of these. And their response was, oh, we'll just send another boat. So I was like, oh, that, but that's not the point. But anyway, the idea around people is that the organization it is very cheesy to say, but it's, it is, it's about people. Some people desperately want to be there. Some people need to be there to fulfill something. Some people do it out of a sense of duty. Some people do it for a laugh or a bit of adventure. And, and, and others, people just wander through the door and they're like, oh, what's this about? And they're like, if they like the gut of your jib, you know, you may be in there quicker than you think. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it, it, was, it was a people thing that I, that I thought was really nice. The RNLI is, has a little magical place in my life. Um, it was that exchange program period of time because I had traveled all over the world and I'm only there for a year or two, maybe three, and then I'm gone again. And my intention was to go to the United Kingdom and be there for a year or two and then be gone again. And that didn't happen in the sense that I came back. So I guess what it means to me is the place I was willing to come back to. And it's not a place that's physical. It's that idea that, you know, it's a bit, it's cheesy, but there's a lot of people trying, not always succeeding, but trying to save lives, trying to do the best they can. And there's a lot of obstacles that, you know, some are thrown up by mother nature, some are thrown up by individuals. But yeah, so what it means to me is, is, um, is the place I would come back to. Even if I'm not getting paid, which is odd. My name is Annie Jago. I am a senior lifeguard with the RNLI and I'm also volunteering for the lifeboat crew. If you want to hear more stories from the RNLI's 200 Voices collection, 
then head to rnli.org forward slash 200 voices or subscribe to the RNLI wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. 200 Voices is an adventurous audio limited production for the RNLI.